another podcast of Indigenous Roots and Hoots produced by the Legacy of Hope Foundation. Roots and Hoots is about Indigenous people and culture, past and present, success stories and inspiring stories about Indigenous people and what they are doing today. Whether it's arts, music, sports, business, education, and so on, Indigenous people are affecting positive change in their communities throughout Canada. Our aim is to create a better awareness about Indigenous people to help bridge the gap of understanding for the reconciliation process in Canada to grow. Today's guest is medicine songwoman Brenda McIntyre. Brenda is a Juno-winning Indigenous artist and keynote speaker. Through her signature medicine song healing work and picking up the pieces 13 Moon Resilience and Reawakening program, she helps women manage grief, trauma, and chronic pain. To find out more, you can visit her website at medicinesongwomen.com. Hello and welcome to this podcast of Indigenous Roots and Hoots. I'm your, I'm your host, Gordon Spence, and today my guest is Brenda McIntyre. Hello, Brenda. How are you? Ah, oh, hi. I'm, I'm great. Thank you. How about you? Oh, we're doing fine. Uh, Maybe we can just start by you uh, telling us a bit about yourself, your your background, and uh, where you come from. Yeah, I, I have a like sort of long, complicated history, and like the short version is, I was born in Calgary. I was adopted at birth. Um, my by um, my mother is white, um, and she didn't tell me when I found her um, that my father is actually the is indigenous so uh i all this time all my all my life up until uh at least my 30s anyways i i was as far as i knew was white um so it's been this sort of long journey to get to a place of understanding and knowing that uh that i'm um and and for a while it was actually i thought i was ojibwe for the last since my 30s <laughs> and i am but it's way back in my in my history and um, really I'm, it's mostly Cree in my indigenous sides. Um, so I'm just finding out things about myself now, but my my background, like, um, you know, I grew up in, in Calgary only until I was seven. And then we moved to Kamloops, BC, which is really where my heart and soul are home and my body. Like I just love yeah. Sagebrush Hills. That's that's my home. Um, and then I uh, I lost my parents, uh, my both my adoptive parents, when I was a teenager. So when that happened, it wasn't too long before I moved to Toronto to try and just um, have some healing or something, some some kind of change because I didn't have any way to grieve um, or deal with it. And so I yeah, so I moved to Toronto in 1985, and now I'm here in London, Ontario. <laughs> That's where you reside now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're also known as a medicine song woman. This name sounds very appropriate for you with your gift of voice and healing. Tell us how you received this name. Yeah, I, uh, so a really cool story. I was, I was wanting to receive my name and in Toronto, they'd usually do that at Anishinaabe Health uh, Toronto and in a group of people, but I didn't, I felt very unpersonal to me and it just didn't feel good for me. So I wanted to, um, and I didn't know an elder very well at that time uh, when I was wanting that for myself. So I, I waited a long time, uh, got to know different elders and, and finally um, Joanne, a Cree grandmother in Toronto, 
she was, I was doing work with her. She was kind of took me under her wing a bit and was helping me with, like, understand the, the healing work that I was sort of, that was happening and, and uh, all kinds of interesting spiritual stuff that was going on for me that, that I needed help with. She's been an amazing person in my life. And, and so I asked her, I offered her tobacco and asked her um, for my name and my clan and my colors. And uh, so uh, I was at, uh, I, think, I, don't, it w I think it was an equinox uh, feast. It was a feast anyways uh, for men, men who have been in prison who are now, you know, recovering yeah. from that. And so Joanne was doing work with these men. And, and, and so I got to sing and, you know, share some teachings. And, uh, and then afterwards, uh, I, I offered her tobacco, and she she just did it right there and then with my name. She just uh, she told me, um, you know, her brother has that. Her brother from the spirit world gifted her with that ability to offer to to bring those names down. Because in her the way that she was describing it, it's like your name is already there. It already exists. It's just bringing that down um, from the spirit world, so you can have it and. Uh, yeah, so so she gifted me with my name, Medicine Songwoman, in English, actually. Yeah. And I got it translated after that to uh, by, I don't know why my name is blanking, Marie Godet's um, mother, Rose, grandmother Rose is how I know her. And she's now in the spirit world. But she um, she helped me to pronounce my name and she gave me the, uh, you know, the proper words for it. In Ojibwe, because at the time that was what I knew myself to be was Ojibwe. So Mishkikinagamwananikwe is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Then Cree would be Mashkizi Anigamurishko. Oh, that's a new one. <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds almost the same. Yeah. Oh, uh, I, got, I had a different translation too, but you know what? I understand with Cree how that can happen too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did uh, yeah. now the lady that gave you this, uh, this, this uh, this name, medicine song woman. Yeah. Did she know that you were a singer? That you sang? Oh yeah, like she used to hire me for singing and stuff. Oh. But she, she literally, it was kind of funny because she looked, she, the way she talks to spirit is just like we're talking right now. Yeah. And she just sort of looked up and she goes, "Really? Are you sure?" <laughs> and yeah. she, she was like verifying it. She's like, "It seems so simple and obvious, but yeah, okay." Um, yeah. Good. And then she was describing it to me, saying, "It's like I'm a." Uh, like I have a direct pipeline, like to creator, and and that is what it feels like when the songs come. Wow. Yeah. Tell us about your music and how you got started. Yeah, my music. I've been. I knew I was going to be a singer from the age of eleven. I remember the knowing of that. I just remember that that hitting me, and you know. So my my first time on stage was when I was seventeen. I can't remember even if my dad was still with us or not because that year he died, after I had already lost my mom. But I always have been passionate about singing, always, all my life. And I started doing just sort of random, like, pop songs, sort of songwriting when I was around that age, when I was um, maybe 17. When I hung out with uh, my best friend, she was um, a, happened to be a piano teacher and all kinds of other things, and still is a piano teacher, and still is with her her boyfriend, um, who is now her husband, high school sweethearts, and he he was in a band, and you know, so the, it was all all these band people around me. All my friends were most of my friends were musicians that I was hanging out with, not where I lived, but in Lumbee, where she was, this little village in BC, outside of Vernon, and. 
and she finally convinced me to get on stage because <laughs> I was terrified. I'm shy. Nor, yeah. I just, and I was painfully shy back then and nobody even knew I could sing because I never sang in front of anybody. Yeah. yeah. And I got in front of them, you know, at this little tiny bar in this, in this village, Lumbee in BC and belted it out and surprised everybody and surprised myself. And I was like, I like this. I can't get off the stage now. I have to continue this for the rest of my life. Right. Like, oh, I yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were a co-recipient of a Juno, Juno Music Award and featured on various media outlets. How did you feel when you received the award? Um, yeah, it was really exciting to, first of all, I didn't even know I was nominated. And my friend who was sort of was taking the role of my manager at the time, um, showed me a news clipping of where our, our album was nominated for the Juno. And I was like, holy wow, <laughs> that's um, that's really cool. And I was nominated for a Canadian Reggae Music Award and, and I can't even remember what else. And, and, and at the same time, it was kind of like that was where everything was happening to, to lift me into my singing career. And so, you know, it's on breakfast television and and I can't even, all the things that I got to do, it was, it was amazing. And, you know, playing at a big club and stuff, it was exciting. Um, I didn't get to receive the award because it was, you know, the group of us, there was, there was 10 of us artists, but it was such an amazing experience because just seeing it was a world beat, world beat music. And it was kind of, I don't know if you know um, the name Billy Bryans, but he was like the, the drummer from the Parachute Club. He was the producer and he was really passionate about, and I say was because he's also in the spirit world now. He was super passionate about bringing different cultural, different cultural and musical expressions together. And so he was kind of a proponent of uh, world beat music in Canada. And so, yeah, we, we, it was exciting because that was my, my, I guess that was my second rec record label experience because mostly I've been an independent artist. We were with Attic Records for that. Yeah, it was really cool. It was really cool. It was it was very exciting to uh, we we had the CD launch um, party at this place called the Spectrum. I don't even think that club exists anymore. But all the nightclubs in Toronto were gone. Yeah. They, you know, there back then. But this is like 1991, 92. And yeah, we we had this beautiful uh, CD launch party, and and uh, that was the first time I kind of had any. any like real media exposure, I would say, yeah. which was now magazine um, chose to have me in in their paper that week, and that was like here I am now. It was all, like it was kind of like my I've arrived in in a very in a small way, but kind of in a big way at that time. I mean, I was like in my twenties. Yeah, yeah. Is any of your uh, music uh, like on YouTube or any of those outlets? Yeah, I've got it on all platforms. Um, my YouTube is just my name, Brenda McIntyre, and uh, you know, Apple and Spotify and all those places have have three of my albums. There's What's just that? one of them. Okay, what yeah. are the name of your albums? The ones that are out there, it's like so Thunder Mountain Healing Songs. That one never made it to. I didn't. I just didn't get that one mastered professionally and and didn't do all those things you need to. So that one's on my website, but not all the platforms. And that was a, a sacred experience that led to that one. And then Spirit Connection after that, which is a, it's meditative. It's meditative music, but it's also meditations. And uh, there was a whole thing there that came from a vision that I had when I was seven. And then after Spirit Connection was Medicine Song, which uh, was in 2009. That one was nominated for a Canadian Folk Music Award. Mm -hmm. 
And the next one was the last one, Picking Up the Pieces, which was uh, released in 2019. Now, I got to ask you this. I was reading this in your autobiography. You were a semi-finalist in a competition, I guess it was. It's called The Power of Pitch. You were yeah. a semi-finalist in 2021. Now, tell me what is a power pitch? Yeah, it was really cool. I hadn't heard of it either. <laughs> um, I hadn't heard of it. It was um, powwow pitch, and, but they have been doing things for, I guess they were doing stuff before the pandemic, and then it just went virtual because of the pandemic. But uh, it's uh, Indigenous entrepreneurs have a chance to to do, and it's a very short, this year for 2021, it was a one minute pitch. And that is like, try try to say your business in one minute or less. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and you know, and then you could win a, a money prize, right? A financial prize and, and supports as well, like uh, to help your business. So yeah, so I went for it and and was a semi-finalist. Right, yeah. okay. Okay, so that explains, so, so your business is uh, what uh, maybe you can tell us about it. I know you uh, facilitate workshops on trauma, healing, and grieving. Is this the, is this the business side of uh, that you're referring to? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've been uh, doing I've been doing what I guess I would term spiritual mentoring for like since 2011, and I had stopped doing it after I lost my son because I just didn't have any passion for it anymore for doing that part of the business, which was in 2016. But then, you know, I, when I was, uh, the whole reason actually for the album that came out, Picking Up the Pieces, is, is the loss of my son. I made that album during the murder trial because I was attending that and I needed something to keep me lifted and keep me, you know, on that healing path. And... I also know that when I do that, when I put the medicine in, when I'm in the feeling, the feelings of the grief, the the anger, the whatever it is, right? When I put that into the music, then that's the medicine. I mean, that's part of it. And then the healing energy that goes in there and the ceremony that we do. But it's there that the, it's, you know, that album came out because of that. And the album, Picking Up the Pieces, is it has 13 songs on purpose, one for each grandmother moon cycle and so the 13 songs I, I got what I call spiritual download or some people will have heard that term some people might not but basically like I was saying earlier like direct pipeline it was like it just came it came through um, and what I needed to do with those songs which is to create a 13 moon program for women and it will it helps them through grief and the trauma and and chronic pain as well i didn't that was that was just sort of a bonus and i guess that's because i myself have chronic pain so i uh you know the the medicine they're all medicine songs they're all healing songs and so i i meet with the the women in my program for the full moons and the new moons um for 13 moons and 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 a couple other times too and and we get together in, in circle virtually <laughs> and and I get to share this music with them. But we're we're doing activities that I call embody um, uh, resilience embodiment activities. And the cool thing is that since I've been doing this, well, I started it. Uh, this is my third year, and once we launch again in September, is that I was uh, learning from a Cree grandmother about trauma and everything that she was talking about it was like 
confirming to me why what I'm doing is working, like why it's helping the women to be calm, to, uh, to, to be able to kind of feel better. Like re they're regulating their, their um, nervous systems. They're, um, there's all this science behind it. I don't know. I don't know the science behind it. I just know what spirit gives me and I know it always works when spirit mm -hmm. gives me and I listen. So I was following through and doing that, and and I found out why the why it works is because yeah, there's science behind it. All of our our traditions really like there's science behind why that works, why it helps us, you know. Right. And so yeah. just just even movement to the music, just even that, or or singing the songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know uh, there's a lot of spiritual healing songs that you know that you can find sung by indigenous people of North and South America, you know, and uh, you know that. And also the, the music is quite powerful. I've heard some of it. Uh, and I actually had one done at my grandfather's grandparents' uh, memorial, memorial headstones. Uh, we, did a, we did a ceremony there and uh, we had a grieving song, a healing song it was called. It really, uh, it actually does something to you. It actually, begin to feel the healing when, you know, when uh, you connect with a song, a healing song. And that one, it's a South American indigenous healing song that, that we use for that ceremony. So I understand exactly, you know, where you're coming from. And I'm kind of also thinking about, you know, a lot of these missing and murdered indigenous women and uh, their families that have to go through all this grieving and healing and that. Have you connected with any of these indigenous families or mothers, parents, grandparents who, who've lost a daughter or 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 a, or a granddaughter? Yes. Um, in front of me is an eagle feather that is always in front of me or with me um, when I'm going to sing, because I was in uh, sort of the Seattle area. I think the place is called Auburn or Auburn for the very first uh, women's powwow. And after I sang there, I wasn't singing in the pa at, at like the drum. I was actually on stage doing something. And, and after I sang, after I did my performance, the, this woman came in tears up to me and just, you know, in gratitude for, for the singing and stuff. But then she told me, um, she had this eagle feather in her hand and she said, this is my daughter's and I want you to take this. And I want you to sing, when you sing for, for uh, mothers who have lost their daughters, I want you to hold that feather to carry lift, carry that or wear it. And so I've done that ever since. And, uh, you know, that almost, um, it just brings me into a lot of emotion because, yeah, you know, I, who would knew that later on I was going to actually, my own son was murdered. So now I really understand how she was feeling. And years later, that was 2009, I think. Not so far, not so long after uh, my son was murdered in, in 2016, uh, one of the women in, in the Native community in Toronto, um, her name is Joyce Carpenter, and she's like everybody's grandma. She's just an awesome, beautiful soul. And she was doing a whole project where they did an exhibi exhibition of to do with her daughter who was murdered and also some other families. And and brought the community together and, you know, and also non-Indigenous people together so that there could be some learning and awareness and people could really feel and experience. It was an immersive kind of 
I don't know what the art term for that is. It was just like you were there. You know, you could see there were journals and 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 some some film aspect to it as well as music and items from from the these beautiful girls and and women who were murdered and so to see them in that light just to be able to really kind of get to know who they were it was really powerful and so yeah and you know i've i've done other work in the community as well just just going into agencies and stuff like native women's resource center and in toronto and and other places because they have the the memorials minwashan lodge as well they've done memorials and i've sung at a couple of those yeah i wanted to ask you Brenda about you do these workshops on trauma healing and grieving with various uh, women's groups is there a website that is there a name of your uh, your 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 business that people can access to yeah my and my website is my name medicinesongwoman.com medicinesongwoman.com yeah okay uh, so people can get a hold of you through that uh, that website for workshops and 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 so I'm healing yeah absolutely get together okay yeah there's a booking okay. link there to to talk to me about that yeah i know a couple of people that i mean we had we had a guest on this uh, podcast who had lost a daughter in toronto she believes that her daughter was murdered but the uh, police tried to brush it off as a suicide so and uh, she went and uh, she, she just she's still going through a lot of uh, grieving uh, it, was, it was quite traumatic for her. So, when you talk about these, I think about her, and uh, and I really hope she, you know, she finds her way and gets, you know, gets out of this 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 deep grieving that she's been going through. Yeah, it's really hard, man. And and I I can't even because I know it's different with everyone, and all the experiences are different. Like, yeah, if you don't know what's going on and what happened, and then they're they give up on the search because they're just the cops that do that i can't even imagine that's, that's so painful yeah i can't even I, well i i can't imagine because i almost lost my daughter and, and i just i don't think there's a worse pain and suffering that a person will go through when you when you lose a child so i you know yeah. and my prayers are with you and others that i that i know that have lost children it's a very difficult you must be, you know, still in a grieving stage, and I don't think I don't think you can really ever get over that. Uh, no, something you have to live with for for the rest of your life. Exactly, you just walk with it and find ways to do that. And you know, that's why I created the program is because I realize like there are some pain and grief that you can't, you know, it's just not going to go away. Right. Yeah. It'll shift and move over time. Yeah, but, but something like that is is too deep, and especially when it's something like murder or suicide, that's yeah very different than a natural death. My my dad actually died of a heart attack, but my mom died by suicide, really? so I know that pain too. And and it's you know oh. having um, a violent death basically is because it's out of order, and the brain can't doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets stored up in our bodies where it just hurts for a yeah. long time. So, do you find that, uh, sorry, during the process of after you lost your son, did you find that your body started to react and protect itself in terms of withdrawing emotionally? Yeah, I, I, it felt like flatlining at some, at, at some point. Yeah. I went to see an elder about this that I was like, why am I not feeling angry? Yeah. 
I couldn't feel any anger. And I'm like, that's not right. There's something going on. And I went to see her and she said, oh yeah, you're carrying enough anger to like blow up this city. So yeah. we, we need, so she helped me to move that through and start yeah. to deal with it. And, you know, so that's, you know, every time that I get that kind of healing or support, then I get to pass that on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The body kind of, it goes into a self-protective mode, I think, you know, uh, we don't, you don't, you don't really realize it, but uh, it's a way of protecting itself from further harm psychologically. Yeah. Absolutely. And the brain does the same. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, my yeah. brain just shut down. My body shut down. Everything just shut down. Yeah. No, yeah. I didn't know what to do. And I could just sit there and stare into space for in shock for the next, I don't know how long that was, a couple of weeks at least. Yeah. Before I could start that whatever mm -hmm. dealing with any of it really yeah, yeah. and yeah it, it's i i know from experience too that it and from other people's experiences that grief does turn into pain and in our physical it turns into physical pain if we aren't doing something to manage it and to uh to help ourselves to get support yeah you know no wonder so many of our people are in so much pain that's right yeah we're getting close to the end of our podcast here, but I wanted to ask you, you know, all the stuff that's been going on this summer, this spring, mm -hmm. uh, with the uh, the burials uh, or, or, you know, the grave sites that have been uh, discovered, recovered in BC and other parts of Canada, and it's still going on today. And the history of Indigenous people and, you know, and how we've been impacted by colonialism and, and all that, the residential schools, and people now talk a lot about reconciliation. And I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were and your feelings on, on uh, and, and everybody has seems to have a different opinion, different thought about reconciliation. And I wanted to ask you how you felt about it and what your thoughts were on, on reconciliation. Yeah, it's a, it's a big question, but it's a great one. And it's one that's up in the air right now and really people need to start thinking about it. So thanks for asking it. And yeah, I, I think like, a lot of people, I think, confuse empathy with reconciliation. So it's like thoughts and prayers, even if it's holding space, even because that's really valuable. Empathy can be valuable with grief, right? Like when you have someone come up and sit with you and just be with you in that pain that you're going through, but not try to fix it or do anything, that's really great. But when it comes to reconciliation, and it's not like we want them to fix it and come in like a savior and fix it all either. And that happens a lot. It's like that's inboxed and right. every now and then, right? You know, um, and it's not about fixing it that way either. But it's, recon I like to say reconciliation because it means being willing to live with like their own discomfort with what you're going through and with what you're, the, and with the truth of what's happened and what is happening still. Um, be with that discomfort, which people are not used to doing when they hear hard truths. And, you know, and during doing their own research, I, people have become so freaking lazy with research and really knowing facts and stuff. And, you know, have your own critical thinking cap on and do your own research and, and also accepting fact as fact. And our stories are fact. They're not just, you know, whatever so many people don't believe it that it happened and it's like just accept what we say here and accept our stories too as our truth and hold space hold space for that grief and trauma but 
you know, do your own research to find out what you can do with whatever level of, of, um, of privilege or, or platform or power that you have. And some of those things would be like amplifying indigenous voices, you know, standing up against racism, not just publicly and not just on social media, but with your friends, your family, your colleagues, like bringing, you know, calling people in and having those hard conversations. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Thank you very much. Uh, we've been talking to Brenda McIntyre. Brenda, we want to thank you on behalf of the Legacy Hill Foundation. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. We're going to kind of close this off with one of your songs. Okay. Miigwech. 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 All right. This is a title track off uh, my album, Picking Up the Pieces. Medicine Song Woman. This is where we're all at right now. Picking up the pieces. Picking up the pieces of my life, of my life. Picking up the pieces of my life, of my life. I don't know what to do to know what happened to the life I knew. So I'm picking up the pieces of my life. Of my life, sometimes I find myself wondering, yeah, will I ever truly be free? So much struggle, so much grief. This isn't any way to be. Gotta find my way to me. Letting go is never easy. Picking up the pieces of my life, of my life. Picking up the pieces of my life, of my life. I don't know what to do to know what happened to the life I knew. So I'm picking up the pieces of my life, of my life. I don't wanna feel this pain. I wanna learn to live again. I refuse to give up on me. Things will never be the same. There's no way to explain, but it's my life to reclaim. Shattered into a million pieces when you were taken from me. I had to find my way back home to my hopes and dreams. It's not the same without you here, but for you I will live freely. I'm picking up the pieces, creating a new reality. Oh, we are, ha, ha, ha. we are. Oh, we Oh, we are high, uh, 
Thank you very much. And it's nice talking to you, Brenda. Awesome music, awesome singing. You got a great voice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Roots and Hoots is a podcast project produced by the Legacy of Hope Foundation. Music is provided by David Finkel. For more episodes like this and to learn more about the work we are doing, please visit www.legacyofhope.ca to learn more. Thank you.